Welcome to Socialist Sound, a production of Seattle DSA. I'm your host, Ty Moore. I'm especially excited about this episode because I finally get to tell you all about the campaign I've been pouring my heart and soul into over the last two years. My four guests today are all good friends and fellow leaders of Tacoma DSA, and we're in the midst of a major ballot initiative campaign to win the strongest tenant protections in Washington state and a promising election campaign to win a seat on the Tacoma City Council for Jamika Scott, a deeply rooted black leader and democratic socialist. We'll tell the story of how Tacoma City Council, on behalf of the landlord lobby, tried to put forward a deceptive competing ballot measure and how we took them to court to get their ballot measure removed, winning a landmark legal victory for Tacoma tenants in late August. We'll get into the labor movement's strong support for our Tenant Bill of Rights, but also the sharp debate within the Pierce County Central Labor Council around Jamaica Scott's campaign. And we'll talk about how, if we can win Jamaica's seat on city council and win this ballot initiative, Tacoma DSA and the strong labor community coalition that we've built are well positioned to transform Tacoma city politics in the years ahead. Back in January, I stepped in as campaign manager for Tacoma for All, the coalition leading the ballot initiative campaign. And at the same time, I took a job as Seattle DSA's communication organizer. It's been a lot to juggle, and I know the development of this podcast for Seattle DSA could have been a lot stronger if I wasn't so weighed down by the huge fight here in Tacoma. But I think we have an excellent show for you that will help, I hope, make up for all of that. After nearly 30 years of socialist organizing, which has included a lot of excellent and winning fights, this is definitely one of the most exciting campaigns and political moments that I've been a part of, and I'm really excited to share the story with all of you. Before jumping in, I want to remind listeners that this podcast is only possible because of the generous monthly contributions of Seattle DSA members and supporters, which pays my part-time salary. But the truth is, Seattle DSA is running deficit budget, taking a risk to hire me and other projects to make this work possible. If you want this project to continue and to expand, we need to significantly boost our monthly donations. Please contribute what you can at seattledsa.org backslash podcast and sign up as a monthly donor. Enjoy the inspiring story we're about to tell you, knowing you are part of what makes this all possible. Before I get to my guests, some background. Landlords have hiked rents by 43% in Pierce County over the last five years. Over half of Tacoma tenants are rent burdened, forking over a third of their monthly income to landlords. We have the highest eviction rate in the state, in large part due to the extremely weak tenant protections in our city and county. Obviously, all of these ugly statistics land hardest on women and communities of color who are being displaced from neighborhoods like the Hilltop and Central District at a rapid pace. But this November, voters in Tacoma will decide whether to enact Initiative 1, what we're calling the Tenant Bill of Rights. Initiative 1 brings together the strongest tenant protections already passed in Seattle and other cities and improves upon them. When drafting these initiatives, we took out the loopholes and rotten compromises that Seattle City Council and other municipalities often inserted into legislation demanded and won by tenant organizers. 
We talked to friends in Shama Sawant's council office and to folks now in Seattle DSA who pioneered many of Seattle's strongest tenant protections. We talked to policy experts like Ed Witter of the Housing Justice Project, who's been at the heart of crafting tenant protections in cities across our region. And of course, we talked to thousands of Tacoma renters, community leaders, and our own local policy wonks who played a central role in crafting the initiative. If passed by voters in November, the Tenant Bill of Rights would provide relocation assistance when rent hikes over 5% force tenants to move. It would protect students and educators from school year evictions. It would prevent deadly cold weather evictions between November and April. It would stop rent hikes and evictions until code violations are fixed by slumlords. It would cap move-in fees and late fees, and it would require a six-month notice for all rent hikes. Tacoma for All was initiated by several of us in Tacoma DSA over a year ago around a bold housing justice platform of demands. Throughout the last year, we built a coalition around this home and Tacoma for All platform. Last summer and spring, we collected thousands of signatures on a petition to city council. Our goal was to help shape the debate last year around the city's wider process of transforming zoning policy in Tacoma and changing the rental housing code. We met with most city council members, mobilized big turnout to public meetings and hearings. We submitted hundreds of letters when public comment was invited. And unsurprisingly, we found no champions in City Hall for any of the more far-reaching policy changes we were fighting for last year. So after City Council passed an anti-homelessness camping ban last October, the leadership of Tacoma for All, DSA members, and our close allies in the United Food and Commercial Workers Union Local 367, we all concluded that a ballot initiative was the only path forward to win housing justice in Tacoma. I want to welcome our four guests to the show, all fellow Tacoma DSA leaders who I've had the joy of working side by side with in the trenches of this fight over the past year. Ann Dorn is co-chair of Tacoma DSA and the communications co-director of Tacoma for All. She's a longtime community activist, a single mother who struggled with housing insecurity herself in years past, and she now manages the law offices of Beverly Allen, who is also a DSA member and a big campaign supporter. Welcome, Anne, to the show. Thank you, Ty. It's great to be here. Zev Cook is the field manager for Tacoma for All and also part of Tacoma DSA's steering committee. I first met Zev a couple years ago at a homeless encampment under the highway in Tacoma's industrial port district discussing with encampment leaders um, how to fight off an impending police raid. She is a trans activist and a, with an impressive track record in tenant organizing and mutual aid work. Welcome to Social Sound, Zev. Good to be here. Michael Whalen is a grocery worker, a DSA member, a shop floor union leader, and vice president of the United Food and Commercial Workers Local 367, representing 8,000 grocery workers across the South Puget Sound. Through his leadership, UFCW 367 has been our most important coalition partner um, from day one of this initiative fight. And UFCW has played a pivotal role in winning broader labor support for the campaign. Michael grew up here in Tacoma in a Filipino and Mexican family, and he is a brand new father. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks, Ty. Uh, glad to be here. And finally, Devin Rydell-Kelly heads up 
our coalition building work for Tacoma for All and as part of Tacoma DSA steering committee as well. He's a longtime labor and community organizer and has been deeply involved in Tacoma politics for the past seven years. When he's not organizing for socialist transformation of society, Devin can often be found DJing music festivals across the Northwest. And he's one of my favorite people uh, to debate politics with. Welcome to Socialist Sound, Devin. Thanks so much for having us, Ty. So, Anne, let's begin with you. We are fresh out of a big legal victory that we just heard the news of a couple days ago in the lawsuit brought by Tacoma for All and United Food and Commercial Workers Local 367 against the city of Tacoma to remove their deceptive competing Measure 2 from the November ballot. That clears the path for a simple up or down vote on our Initiative 1. Judge Ashcraft's uh, decision He basically echoed the talking points that we've been hammering away at for weeks, calling the city's competing measure deceptive. Here's my favorite quote from the court's ruling. Quote, the problem is that neither the city's ballot title nor explanatory statements clearly explain that measure two is already law and will remain law regardless of the vote. Plaintiffs, that's us, argue that this is misleading and confusing. The court agrees. This really is a false choice, end quote. So Anne, give our listeners a sense of how significant this legal victory is for the campaign. I think it's absolutely huge. Um, We were so excited to receive this ruling the other day, and I can tell that our supporters are also absolutely thrilled. Uh, This ruling does a couple of things for the campaign. Uh, One of them is its public validation that what we've been telling folks all along the city's proposed alternative ordinance was deceptive. That's true. The court agreed with us. And I think that is very, very uh, validating, reassuring even for our base and folks who are supporting. And I think that's really going to change um, some public opinion to some degree in terms of how people view the city and the fight that is ahead. So I I think that's really important. Um, This ruling also means, of course, that Measure 2, the city's proposed alternative ordinance, is not going to appear on the November ballot. We are going to have Initiative 1, the Tenant Bill of Rights, on the ballot standing alone. And and that um, is a huge development and means that voters no longer have to decide. And since most voters are going to be opening up that guide... And, you know, when in a situation where they're faced with two alternatives that sound pretty good, that, you know, majority of voters are not necessarily really educated on which choice. Um, but more importantly, the city's proposed alternative has already been enacted into law. And that would have provided no new tenant protections at all if that remained on the ballot and voters were, you know, forced to choose and potentially choosing that over Measure 1, the, the Tenants' Bill of Rights. Right, right. Um, and yeah, that was the main thing that uh, the judge cited is just saying it's already law and the city was trying to pass it off as though there was a real choice. I think um, the mayor on at the July 11th vote where this was pushed through said something to the effect of we're here not to deceive voters, not to confuse voters, but to give voters a choice. And that's been quoted in the media. Matt. Uh, Driscoll's article just uh, on the court victory just requoted the mayor and said, you know, whatever her intentions, that simply wasn't true. And the and the judge, uh, yeah, as you said, validated what we've been saying all along. This was designed to confuse and deceive people. Absolutely. Uh, it's a significant blow to the landlord lobby as well. I think this, this ruling and this victory and, um, you know, for all these reasons, because it does validate 
the position that we took. And because it simply means that they're, they've been stymied, the landlord lobby cannot proceed to challenge us. And we know that there are other challenges coming. We know that they're going to be advertising. We know that they're going to be getting their message out in other ways. But this victory now is, I think, a significant blow to their efforts to uh, stop the campaign for Initiative 1. They can't just hide behind the city council's watered-down initiative. Now they have to frontally say, oppose us um, uh, in their own name. So I think that is a more favorable terrain for tenants and working-class people to fight this fight out. So the other question I wanted to get at, though, is going a little further back. Um, Help us fully understand sort of how we got here, how we got to this legal fight. Um, Tacoma for All... You know, collected started collecting signatures back in March, and by mid-April, city leaders were clearly alarmed at our momentum. The mayor reached out to us to initiate negotiations, um, hoping to reach a compromise agreement in exchange for us to drop the initiative, to not turn the signatures in. However, after five negotiation sessions with the mayor, four city council members, the city attorneys, city staff, um, we remained far apart by mid-June when we faced a deadline to turn the signatures in. Can you talk about those negotiations and why Tacoma for All and our coalition ultimately decided to go forward with the ballot initiative? Yeah, as you mentioned, there were a series of five meetings initiated by the mayor and the city and attended by staff and um, city attorneys. And um, we had a, a series of conversations, I think, were, you know, to one degree or another, somewhat productive. The city did offer some concessions and made or proposed some changes to their rental housing code legislation, but they didn't get close enough to us on a couple important things. Uh, Also the most controversial parts of Initiative 1, the Tenant Bill of Rights. So they didn't budge on relocation assistance, which is huge. It's a very central part of our initiative. And they didn't budge on our demand for no cold weather evictions, no evictions of students and educators during the school year. Those were critical pieces of this initiative. And, you know, as a result, when we brought this back to our supporters in a democratic open meeting that was attended, I think, by nearly 100 people or, or some, somewhere around there, we took a vote. And uh, that body decided to move forward with turning in our signatures and getting the initiative one, the Tenant Bill of Rights, on the November ballot. Um, I'm really proud of the process that we took here. We were transparent and public at all times. I think that's really important for accountability. We could have sent in our leaders to meet with the city leaders behind closed doors. We could have kept that under wraps, but we were very clear and explicit with the city from the beginning that we were not going to do that. We were going to message Um, you know, to let our supporters and our base know what was happening and to solicit that input and ultimately a democratic vote, which gave us a mandate to move forward and turn in signatures and reject the city's proposal. Awesome. Thank you, Anne. Zev, um, you are our only field organizer for the entirety of the three and a half month signature gathering campaign. You organized over 100 volunteers to hit Tacoma streets and doors virtually every single day for for most of the spring. And in three and a half months, we collected over 7,200 signatures, almost double the number required to qualify Initiative 1 for the November ballot. So describe for us uh, the ground game, Tacoma for All built, to get on the ballot, and how we've kicked off a voter outreach campaign uh, in the last couple of weeks for the fall fall drive. 
Absolutely. So, you know, I think this was a really just inspiring issue for folks to work on. You know, like Anne said, we're facing a very bad situation for renters in Tacoma, and it's only getting worse as, you know, rents continue to rise, people are getting evicted onto the street, and, you know, everyone can see in our community that you know, homelessness is, is on the rise too, in a large part due to, you know, us not having enough protections for tenants and keeping people in their homes. So this is, you know, a really deeply felt issue. And I think that showed in how many people came out and, you know, made the sacrifice out of their lives to put in the time to help us collect those, you know, 7,000 signatures to make sure that we got this on the ballot to for a democratic choice of Tacoma voters. I was really honored to, you know, be out there uh, seven days a week working right alongside all of those volunteers. And it really gave me the chance to build the authentic relationships with pretty much our entire volunteer base. Um, who I just deeply appreciate as, you know, people who care a lot about this issue, care a lot about building the working class movement in Tacoma and making sure that, you know, we can keep our community housed. And, you know, I mean, the housing crisis exists everywhere. It's a deeply felt issue, but it doesn't always materialize in, you know, a effective organized campaign to take on the city establishment and the landlord lobby like we've been able to do. What do you think about Tacoma for All or about the work we've done sort of gave activists the confidence that this was a, a struggle worth putting their time and energy and sacrificing for? Well, you know, first of all, it's the material conditions, right? Those have to exist. You have to have that, you know, energy in the community to want to take on the issue. But second of all, like you said, you know, it's the organizing side. It's us going out and having those conversations, building a campaign making people feel that there's actually a chance to do something about this. You know, I think one of the biggest issues that, you know, our movement is facing in general is, you know, people who feel um, just totally alienated from politics generally. They feel like, you know, the politicians who are supposed to be doing something aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. We're facing a climate collapse and there's just nothing that can be done about it. But the fact is that, you know, there is power when we bring the community together, when we organize and fight back. I've been so proud, uh, you know, working with all of you and all the others. Yeah, it feels like Tacoma DSA has been able to really unite around this and kind of make this a, a key priority campaign. Not every DSA chapter does that. And I think it's helped sort of bring the wider coalition and the wider base into act activity to feel like, okay, this is something with momentum that we can actually win. So yeah, everything you said. Yeah. A better world is truly possible. <laughs> um, shifting gears a little bit, but I think equally significant in late June, immediately after wrapping up our signature campaign, you stepped in as campaign manager for DSA endorsed city council candidate, Jamika Scott, and helped her score an impressive primary victory. I think she got over 40% of the vote when all was said and done. Um, in the primary, uh, beating out her two opponents. Talk about who Jamika is, her primary victory, and what it means for the project of building uh, DSA in Tacoma. Yeah, working with Jamika has been an incredible experience. Uh, you know, she joined DSA fairly recently, but has been really an organizer in the community for a decade, and it shows when we're out in the community. Um, this is someone that people look to as a leader, not just within like 
activist circles, but within the broader community. People know her, they respect her, and, you know, they look for her to her to, you know, show us the way towards building a more you know, equitable situation for our community. The, the Stranger, uh, a lot of our readers will have seen this, our listeners will have seen this already, but The Stranger came out with a article headlined, Tacoma is the Revolution, you know, building the link between Jamaica Scott's primary victory and um, ballot initiative campaign we're fighting on and just sort of profiling the strength of Tacoma DSA uh, here in the Grit City. So I think it's really exciting, the synergy that's developing between these two campaigns that I think you been a kind of personal example of as both the field organizer for ours and Jamaica's campaign manager. Totally. Yeah. When I talked to uh, Jamaica, when we were first talking with her about her running for office, she wasn't a DSA member, but she decided to join the chapter because she saw that, you know, who are the people who are consistently out there fighting for the right issues? And that is, you know, our chapter that is DSA. We're out there. We're fighting back and we're organizing. And, you know, that was what inspired her to, you know, be part of our organization, be part of our movement and, you know, come together with us to help fight and win that city council seat. You know, it, we jumped in in the last month of really the campaign prior to the primaries in August. So uh, we, you know, endorsed her and got started uh, working on her campaign in late June. And in the month of July, we um, did over a hundred hours of door knocking for her from you know the the Tacoma DSA chapter, along with some awesome support from uh, our friends at UFCW three six seven, and I think that you know coalition that coming together to fight for you know working class candidate to get a strong working class voice on our council is really what made that huge huge primary victory possible. Well. That's a great segue to turn uh, to you, Michael. Um, you're a DSA member, grocery worker, but also a leader in UFCW 367. Um, and your union bucked the rest of the Labor Council to endorse Jamaica Scott. The rest of the Labor Council endorsed um, another candidate, Milando, who ended up coming in third in the, in the race. Um, and now I know that created real tensions. Um, in September, there's going to be a pivotal vote of the Labor Council between endorsing Jamaica or her business-backed opponent, Chris Van Vechten. Talk about why UFCW 367 is backing Jamaica and how you're navigating the fight within the Labor Council. Yeah, thank you, Ty. Um, and, you know, the rank-and-file uh, workers, um, our committee that voted to support uh, Jamaica, uh, why we did that, we did that because um, you know, she's from District 3. She's been active within her community, within District 3. So echoing that point from what Zev was talking about uh, made a really big impact. Um, she has also been struggling alongside grocery workers, um, showing up on uh, anti-merger calls uh, to support us. Um, and she also has been uh, supportive of uh, Tacoma for All and our uh, ballot initiative, which um, Local 367 uh, supports and endorses as well. Um, but overall, uh, the workers at my union are pretty fed up with the Tacoma political establishment, namely the Tacoma City Council, um, who let us down during our fight during hazard pay and attempted during to... During COVID. Yeah, during COVID. Yeah. Um, 
and attempted to undermine democracy um, more recently with this phony initiative. Um, and we see Jamaica, um, our committee through the crowded field to be the best, uh, best candidate. Um, navigating, navigating um, around the Central Labor Council, um, that's just dealing with finding our allies, preparing to uh, leverage ourselves to support her in um, the best ways we can. UFCW is the biggest union within the Pierce County Central Labor Council, but you know that doesn't mean you all get your way. There's other unions pushing for Kristen Vecton, for other ideas. So it's a debate inside the Labor Council that your union's kind of on the left edge of. Is that, is that right? Yeah, 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 I would say so. Um, uh, I would say that's pretty much the layout. Well, while uh, UFCW 367 was not aligned with the Labor Council in Jamaica's primary campaign, you and your union played a central role securing support of the Labor Council and other unions for the Tenant Bill of Rights. That includes the endorsement from Teamsters uh, 117, who are now pushing for Chris Van Vechten's endorsement against Jamaica, and nine other labor organizations um, who have donated about 25% of the nearly $70,000 that we've, we've raised for the campaign. And your union alone has donated, I think now, $16,000 uh, to Tacoma for All. So you were also co-plaintiff. UFCW was also co-plaintiff in our lawsuit and recently took the decision to hire you as a full-time organizer focused on turning out the vote for Jamaica and uh, for the Tenant Bill of Rights. So that's a pretty deep investment, I think not typical. I mean, a lot of unions are involved in politics, but it's not that common to sort of go so all in, you know, to align with uh, an initiative that everybody knows DSA is really at the heart of. So talk about why UFCW members are so deeply invested in this ballot initiative campaign for the Tenant Bill of Rights. Yeah. Um, so our, we're so deeply invested and members are deeply invested with this campaign and the ballot initiative specifically because so many of our rank and file members um, are dealing with um, serious housing insecurity issues um, from rising rents to deteriorating uh, living conditions and are, are really need, looking for a way out. They need, they need help just like when we need help on the shop floor. Um, and then a number to really exemplify it is 65% of the hardship applications that we get for our hardship committee are dealing with um, housing and security. Um, so I think on that point, it's, it's, very, uh, uh, it's very felt within my membership, the housing, uh, rising housing costs. Um, um, and then just more ideologically, um, our local is moving towards a whole worker organizing and um, we support this ballot initiative and the housing and tenant struggle and Jamaica's campaign um, because we believe that um, organizing doesn't end just at the workplace, but it's at your workplace and at your home. I've been really impressed with your president, Mike Hines, who you know doesn't really come from my impression as like a real left background, but has been reading Jane McAlevey, um, is talking about now when you're with your next contract negotiations uh, using, um, I'm forgetting the term all of a sudden, what's what's the yeah, open, open bargaining, open bargaining, right, where instead of these closed door negotiations with the boss, um, you know, inviting members into the negotiating room, being very transparent, trying to, you know, 
mobilize the strength of the union to the bargaining table, which, you know, in some ways is a no-brainer, but is far too uncommon. I think Jane McAlevey, I heard a podcast with her where she said less than 10% of unions actually use that method, um, even though it's uh, been has a very good track record. So I think it's exciting what's happening in your union. There's sort of a young leadership that's uh, emerging, and your president is not young. I think he's three years from retirement, but he seems very eager to promote and develop the, the left-wing activists like yourself who have uh, are coming up into the leadership of the union. Yeah, yeah. I think you summed it up right. Um, yeah, I'm really excited and um, really proud of the work that, uh, yeah, that we've been doing. Hopefully this uh, partnership that's kind of developed between Tacoma for All, DSA, UFCW can, you know, carry on into future fights. Um, and I know there's lots of informal discussion that's been happening with some of your coworkers and uh, staffers and stuff around that, that um, we'll have sure opportunity to discuss. But why don't we turn it over to Devin, who um, I hoped actually could lay out two things, our plan to win in November and then what's going to happen next. You've been at the heart of our coalition work, of our negotiations with city council and developing our canvassing strategy. And I know we know Jim Henderson of Landlord Solutions, who is also the chief lobbyist of the Rental Housing Association of Washington, is going around bragging that he has uh, amassed $250,000 to fight us this fall. We only have raised so far 70000 So that's going to, if that's true, that's going to dwarf us. Um, we all got a laugh a couple weeks ago when Jim sent one of his employees to our Zoom meetings and she lied about who she was and we kicked her out of the Zoom meeting, but basically, you know, sent her in to spy on us. Um, and now he's been coming out in the media and talking about how landlords are already selling off because selling their properties just out of fear that our initiative might pass. He was on King 5 last night saying that. So we know we have a fight on our hands. Um, take us through what it's going to win, uh, what it's going to take to win in November. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks for that great context and the Kicking that lady out of the meeting was uh, pretty interesting. Um, you know, I, I want to kind of uh, repeat uh, a couple key points from everyone here. Uh, just how deeply and widely felt these issues are in Tacoma, um, on the doors, in conversations with colleagues, coworkers, the working class, and voters, but also with organizations and institutions. And it's been amazing building a, a broad, engaged coalition, really willing to fight for this. And I think that is what has been one of the key points that's led us to this point and one of the key things we're going to win on. But the main way we win, of course, always in any kind of campaign like this, is through one-on-one -on -one direct engagement with voters on the doors, in their lives, in their workplaces. And Zev has done an incredible job of this, um, as of all of our amazing volunteers throughout the first phase of the campaign. But we got a couple months, and that's not a lot of time. And we know we're going to be facing a big war chest. And if we if we know anything about this kind of stuff from prior campaigns, I've been involved in some other initiatives in Seattle, other places. What happens is the the opposition, the landlords, developers, the rich folks, they just get a bunch of money together and then they do a huge air war uh, with media drops, with really deceiving mailers, uh, with TV ads, all sorts of stuff in the last few weeks uh, leading up to the election. And the way we beat that, the way we beat that is to get in front of people um, talk to people about their issues, talk to them about what's meaningful to them, and uh, move them to pledge, to these amazing pledge cards that uh, one of our staff members, uh, Jude, designed, and get them to pledge and commit to vote yes and follow through. 
In order to do that, we need a ton more volunteer hours. We had a great training last weekend. We have a great Canvas launch happening on September 9th. Um, and that will be a huge opportunity to get on the doors and get people excited. Uh, we've also uh, brought on some additional staff capacity. Um, and we're going to have to do a bunch of mailers. And all of this is time-consuming, difficult, and expensive. Um, we need to raise a, a bunch more money in order to do this. And we're really excited to have unions and community groups and individuals contributing. But the main things we need are people's time and their commitments between now and November. Uh, we'd love to raise, you know, at least another fifty to sixty thousand dollars, um, and we need a, a minimum of thirty-five k. And I hate to make it about the money. I, th I think what really matters at the end of the day is about the the solidarity, about the collection connection, about shifting power, um, and about getting in the door. So we're going to fight no matter what, and no matter what we bring in. Uh, but I'm hopeful we can knock it out of the park and win big, uh, which sets us up for um, much greater victories in the long run in Tacoma for working people and renters. And you talked about the importance and the you know significance of the coalition. You want to give a little bit of a characterization of you know the backing we've got. We've talked about the Labor Council, but we also have Yasmin Trudeau, who you've we're just talking to this morning over coffee, I understand, and a number of other local political leaders and community groups. Give a sense. You know, Tacoma's not a big city. Two hundred and twenty thousand people. We're only we need twenty six thousand votes to win this initiative is our estimate based on turnout estimates. So, you know, it matters what community leaders say. And the breadth of our coalition, I think, is another key element of our get out the vote effort, because, you know, people often ask, like, who? I ask their friends who are paying attention to politics, who should I vote for? So the how deep you have roots in the community is crucial. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, Tacoma has a, a long, rich history of organizing and activism. And um, we've been really lucky to engage with and connect with uh, really some of the best and longest serving activists and organizers in the community. So, you know, folks from the conversation who have been doing great um, anti-racist work and police accountability organizing forever, uh, folks from many, many different unions, as we've kind of already discussed, and then the more progressive block of political leaders in the city. So uh, State Senator Yasmin Trudeau, um, Justin Camarado, who's the chair of the 27th LD Democrats and was uh, appointed to city council and did a great work there a few years ago, really in conjunction with TDSA and other housing justice organizations, um, some major faith leaders, and a lot of folks that have just been doing on the ground activism and organizing in Tacoma for a long time. And I think that what the common sense among all these organizations and individuals is that there's been a deep desire to create major political change in the city for a long time, but there's also been a real problematic consensus culture that really comes from the top of politics that's connected partially with our city charter. It's connected partially with um, how the last couple uh, mayors have ran the city. And there's been some anxiety about rocking the boat. And I think there's been a desire to make that change. And I'm not saying that the T for A or, or TDSA is the, the main force driving that. But I do think we are a key and pivotal part of a, a major political sea change towards working class organizations and working class folks feeling a sense of their power here in Tacoma. And that's been the most exciting and fun thing about the campaign for me. You know, I, I love hearing the struggles of people on the doors and seeing them realize their own sense of power and their own sense of change and agency. And I love seeing that at the organizational level too with folks throughout the city. 
Well, we're all uh, socialists here, and clearly our goals go well beyond winning the strongest tenant protection in the state this November, though that would be a huge victory. Um, we all have spent lots of hours and meetings and over drinks discussing how this campaign can be a building block toward transforming city politics, um, to building DSA into a mass working class organization, and building a coalition capable of taking power out of the hands of the rich and powerful here in Tacoma. So looking beyond November, what are the plans to build Tacoma DSA and to build a working class political alternative in the years ahead in the 2025 elections and beyond? Yeah, thanks for asking. I think this is one of the things I'm most excited about. I mean, it starts with obviously winning the ballot and getting Jamika Scott elected. I I can't uh, emphasize enough how much having Jamika in office will really help drive political change. She's an outspoken leader, an activist, and I think she'll really help empower uh, the more progressive block and left block on council to be more assertive and outspoken. But we all know, you know, as socialists, the the great pressure to conform, the great pressure to, um, you know, just not rock the boat once you get into office. And I, th- I think that no one's really fully exempt from it unless they're connected to organizations and movements that are doing the work. And one thing I think that is really powerful coming out of this is the possibility of building long run kind of permanent coalition models of progressive organizations, working class organizations, of unions and faith groups that are mobilizing a base to not only, you know, hold politicians accountable, but also work with folks on the left and and that come from a base who are elected to advance bold kind of visionary policy goals, you know, ideas around uh, kind of a radical imagination of, of what we want the city to look like. And I think that we do that through winning now. We do that through having a big base. And then we do it through, um, you know, running candidates that come out of movement work and, and have an analysis. I'm really excited. It sounds like there's, you know, several folks connected to T4A leadership, um, both within DSA and outside that are eager about possibly running. And uh, there's folks that are really eager about changing the city charter um, and moving us towards having a full time council with full staff um, so that working class people can run. So working class people can have those jobs. And so working class people can rock the boat. Uh, because they're not, you know, about to lose their job after two terms or just trying to leapfrog to the legislature. So, you know, this is going to be a long run fight. It takes a while. It takes all of us being engaged. Uh, coalition politics is messy. People will come and go. Uh, but it's the good work. And I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Um, part of the tension that we've seen in this coalition, you know, we talked about it in terms of the Labor Council, the tension, the reluctance to endorse Jamaica. There's a track record of fighting police brutality and fighting the mayor and identifies as a democratic socialist. We've had some uh, totally normal but real tensions with some of our allies in the Democratic Party who've endorsed uh, this campaign but have been nervous sometimes about rocking the boat. So as socialists, as DSA, how do we simultaneously build the kind of coalition we're going to need to win? You know, we can't take working class power in this city or win a majority on city council without a much broader coalition. And yet, I think DSA obviously has had a crucial role to play in pushing the envelope as far as we have with this initiative and with Jamaica's campaign. How do you see those tensions being navigated, Devin? And if other people have thoughts too, feel free to jump in. Yeah, I'm happy to answer and then hand it off to whoever you know, I see, um, I always take like a long road run approach to mass movement work and to, um, you know, broad based organizing. And I think that 
it's through winning and achieving things and picking the right fights that you move people to um, have a, a broader understanding of what class consciousness looks like and to support a certain type of agenda. Uh, we're not always going to be on the same page with with folks, with coalition partners. And, you know, sometimes we won't be in a coalition with an organization or somebody. But we can demonstrate our ability to organize and win and an analysis. And I think if we're clear eyed and realistic about that and authentic and not manipulative and not, you know, kind of like creepy and just like this is how we show up. This is what we're doing. We're good organizers. We have a vision of change. That's how we win. And that's how we uh, bring people on board. Awesome. Zev? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I learned when I kind of got, first got involved in the political scene in our city, I think this is very similar across, um, you know, many cities in the U.S. is that uh, a lot of the you know political game here it's very has a very like high school feel to it of you know it's all about backdoor relationships and who's friends with who or who said what about who, and I think how we you know build trust and build a movement is you know putting politics first um and i think that we have been doing that with this campaign we've shown up in the community and we've been consistent about you know what our positions are what we care about and what we're here to fight for and i think as long as we're you know putting that first we're putting the movement first we're being clear what we want to achieve in this city and bringing people along with us on those issues um that's the kind of work that's going to pull together a coalition and help us continue to create big wins in our city. Anne or Michael, any last words? All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. Uh, I think this will be really interesting to all the listeners in Seattle. And we have a small audience nationally who I think will be really interested. Tacoma is... Uh, I think has a complex of sometimes being ignored on the, especially in national debates and in the shadow of Seattle left politics. But I think, um, as the Stranger article pointed out, I think there's some very, very exciting things happening. And I think our chapter of DSA and the movement that we're helping to lead, you know, has has some serious legs and go somewhere in the years ahead. So thanks for being on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. That was Ann Dorn, co-chair of Tacoma DSA and the communications co-director of Tacoma for All, Zev Cook, field manager for Tacoma for All and a member of Tacoma DSA's steering committee, Michael Whalen, a DSA member, a vice president of UFCW 367, and an executive board member of the Pierce County Central Labor Council, and Devin Rydell Kelly, Coalition Coordinator with Tacoma for All and a member of Tacoma DSA's Steering Committee. If you like this podcast and want it to continue, please become a monthly sustainer of Seattle DSA to maintain my part-time position as our communications organizer. We need to significantly raise Seattle DSA's monthly income. Go to seattledsa.org backslash podcast today and contribute what you can. Again, that is seattledsa.org backslash podcast. This was the fifth episode of Social Sound, a production of Seattle DSA. Thanks so much to Jason Corey for volunteering the long hours needed to mix and edit this episode. I'm your host, Ty Moore. Thanks for listening. Thank you.